Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The NBA and college basketball are back. The NFL. The NFL playoffs are this weekend, right around the corner. All these sports going on, there are plenty of bets to lock in. So if you're thinking about picking the Lakers to repeat their NBA championship or the Chiefs to repeat as Super Bowl champions, you need to go to betonline.ag today. Ride with Razzie. Tough week last week. Um, But, you know, we get back on the horse. It's what we do. We're limping into the playoffs. But I got some winners for you this weekend. We got the Bills minus six. We all know Phillip Rivers in the playoffs. And we know how hot the Bills are. We got the Steelers minus six. The Browns have COVID. And we got the Saints minus nine and a half. They always roll till around the NFC championship game, except for last year. But anyway, Saints minus nine and a half. Head to betonline.ag and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag. Sign up today. Throw me the ball and watch what I do with it. Uh, uh. <laughs> we got Bow Wow in the house. <laughs> My man Lil Zane. <laughs> Lil Wayne. Sammy Saint took me. What's up, everyone, and welcome to the first long ball podcast of 2021. New year, same us, but we're always ready to go. If you're listening to us, you know where to find us, where you find all those great podcasts. While you're there, rate us. Give us five stars if you like us. If you don't like us, don't give us five stars, but at least let us know why. You know, Orlando, I'm finally pulling my weight. You're always getting the guests. So I figured it's a new year. I wanted to do something as well. So we got my boy, Carrie Crowley, joining the show later. Bay Area News Group beat writer for the Giants. Also, uh, guest host on KNBR. And this is going to be a good time. So I, I just wanted to, to say that to you and in hopes that you would be very excited and very proud of me for, for pulling that off. I'm proud of you. I'm grateful for you. Um, everything, you know, that that's all the positive vibes are, are just radiating right now um, in this room. So I'm very grateful. It was a great interview. It was a phenomenal interview. Um, he was great. Giants fans, we talk. A lot of Giants baseball. We have some laughs. We have some nostalgia Giants baseball. Pretty much everything that you could want, as well as talking a little journalism um, and the future of that, which I thought was a good way to kind of kick that interview off. Right. So it was a great, it was a great interview overall. Great job. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you you want to skip to it, no judgment, no judgment. Just be sure to come on back. But either way, just download and subscribe. You know, we we really just don't judge. But let's get it started, Orlando a couple things that we can get to. I think the first thing that we should get to is, you know, we're going to do a bunch of Giants talk later, but the Mets, they're not playing around. Steve Cohen, the new owner, said he wasn't going to play around. And he's about that action, boss. He, he really is. Francisco Lindor, or as you like to call him, Linder, is going to the Mets. 
they are ready to go. And the first thing I thought about is that those wild card spots are going to be pretty spicy to get because the NL East now is an extremely, extremely good division. Yeah, it's awesome. And I don't think the Mets are necessarily done. Number one, man, did they not have to, their system is Steve Cohen said their system stinks. Mm -hmm. And they were somehow able to acquire a top three shortstop in baseball. And by the way, that smile in New York city, my God, my goodness, is that smile going to look good in the big apple? Like that is just a perfect place for him. Even if he went to the Yankees, whatever, I'm just excited that uh, there's, we've talked about it many times. There's just this whole new vibe that's going on. And yeah, the NL East, I called them out last week on the show. The Braves really need to make a move Mm -hmm. here because the Mets are not done. We know the Mets are not done. They're ready to empty their pockets. And I don't think they can trade for anyone else, but there's certainly some good free agents out there. But the pressure is on the Braves, man. The pressure is on the Braves. And don't count out, obviously, don't count out the Marlins either. They were in the playoffs. The Phillies are really good. Um, and, and the Nats are really good as well. So that division is awesome. Yeah, it's, it's interesting because you talk about the Phillies. And as I've talked about before, you know, spent some time in Philly uh, in school. So I have my connects. I have my friends that I still talk to. And it weirdly feels like they missed – their their little moment that they had right but i don't know if it was a couple years back where they were it might have been before they even got bryce and they were supposed to make some noise didn't at all and you and this is what we talk about you blink and look in the braves and look at the mets now and you still have the marlins who made the playoffs phillies what do you do i mean you got to figure it out you got Bryce. You got well, they Bryce. also came out and they said that they want to, like, they're trying to cut costs. You know, they were like, yeah, we got to trade the, they're trying to trade that. They're trying to trade Bryce. They're trying to trade Bryce. Give him, yeah, give him to us. <laughs> give him to the Giants. Give him, yeah, we'll take him. But this moment feels like it's just, we should be focusing on the Mets and how cool it is because my th- this franchise has just, and by the way, I've always thought the Mets franchise was a little dramatic because it's like you went to a World Series, right. you had Carlos Delgado, you had Jose Reyes, and then you had the early years of Piazza. Beltran. You know, and, and then you also had Beltran, um, David Wright. There's been plenty of great right. Mets that have, that have come through. So it's a little bit of a dramatic organization. I think the Jets rub off a little bit mm-hmm. on them. And those Knicks so, fans as well. Yeah, it's just kind of it's, it's wild that New York is just kind of a loser sports yeah. city. Yeah, I, yeah, but, no, you make a good point because I don't mean to take anything away, uh, you know, from the Mets in their moment. My my grandmother, God rest her soul, actually loved the Mets for for really no reason at all. She was from Panama, so uh, she just liked the Mets. You know, spent some time in New York, so she loved the Mets, and uh, you know, we love to see them doing well. But I will say. Although he's nowhere near as out crazy, outgoing, you know, close to obnoxious as uh, Bomber and the Clippers, this does have that vibe right now. Hey, new owner, we're here, we're making moves. Now the Clippers aren't done, right? They're still a top contender. We just have to see, it'll be interesting 
I don't know if Vegas would do odds on this. Which secondary big city market will win it all first? Will it be the Clippers or the Mets? That's a great question that you pose. That's a good comparison. I didn't really think about it because Steve Cohen, I like Steve Cohen a lot more than Balmer. He's just oh, like, he's a course. little less sweaty. Yes. A little less sweaty. He's just like a little less in your face. More deodorized. And I think, yeah, yeah. He's just like, he looks well. I'm not going to say he's the most good looking dude in the world. He's a little more like put together yes. uh, when the pressure, but who knows? Maybe you want passionate owners. I think that he's also, he might win the baseball Twitter uh, bracket next year because right after that, uh, the move that they made today, he was just ready to get back to work. He said, I know this trade seems to be creating a lot of excitement, but let's get back to what matters, the black jersey. He wants those so mm -hmm. bad. I want those so bad. Frankie Lindor in the Mets black jerseys is just going to be a beauty. It's going to be a spectacle. Yes. It's going to be a show. I hope that their pitching stays healthy. I think that they might get one more pitcher because you can never have enough starting pitching. Yes but they might go after Springer as well. And that immediately puts them in the National League conversation just because of how good they're pitching. Of course, is. of course. And that's that, when you make moves like that, it happens quick from, hey, you guys did good this season to now you have expectations. And that's what we saw with the Clippers again when you know they took the Warriors to, what was it, six? I don't think they went seven, but I think they went like a hard six. You get Kawhi and, and it was a, Cool story, upstart, nice. You get Kawhi and Paul George, it, it, you're supposed to win. And if they do get Springer, you, you, you can make the argument maybe they need another pitcher, but you could also make the argument that maybe you should, maybe that, not that they should win, but you definitely should get pretty deep in the playoffs and you know not be missing for, to the Mets or to the Marlins. That, that can't happen. Yeah, if they start to, if the Mets start load managing Springer and Comforto, would you just start hating them? Yeah, I, I, it would be, I wouldn't because of my grandmother, but uh, I, I wouldn't be as, as high on them as I am right now. Yeah, yeah, I think, I, I think the world, I, I would. They wouldn't do that though. That, that's not even a thing. No, that's not even a no. thing. No, it could I don't be. know why. I, I just New age it. baseball, baby. Yeah, oh my God. If they just start loading, loading, I'd be down for players to be more mobile. Like we would see guys move around, but fuck if, if they just started like bonds would get a day off every now mm -hmm. and then because he hit home runs every other right. game. So it, I, it wasn't really a big deal, but yeah, load management. Huh? Yeah. Um, so the only other thing I had personally was we had to shout out Bianca Smith becoming the first black woman to be a coach in a major league organization. Shout out to the Boston Red Sox and shout out to major league baseball. We spoke about it in our last show of the year about how major league baseball had been moving in the right direction. And they start out 2021 continuing to do the same thing. You know, she coached at a bunch of different places, played softball uh, at, at Dartmouth College, played softball. So shout out to the softball. Ivy Leaguer. Yeah, huh? shout out to the softball players. Yeah. And then went on to start, you know, coaching baseball when she was done there, which is really interesting because 
since my fiance played softball, she was a grad assistant uh, when she was done at Temple, at Temple, but she had friends that got into the coaching system. And to be honest, a lot of them love baseball just as much, but maybe they just thought that they never had a shot. So now when you talk about the women that are currently playing softball, they see this happen and now they think to themselves, hey, maybe I can do that too and switch over because we've talked on this show about how awesome softball is, but it just a lot of times, not a lot of times, most of the time it just kind of ends. So this opens up a new avenue if you can learn how to, you know, translate the things that you learn from softball and turn them in, because they're not that different. We know they're not that different. I, I read the comments, idiots, apples and oranges. How did she pull this off? It's not that different. First of all, the picture looked like a guy who hadn't picked up a, a, a bat since maybe Little League. So shut up. But if you can learn how to deal with those certain differences that there are, I think it's very possible, especially, and you talked about it, once we get into the launch angle stuff with Carrie later, a lot of people now, hey, if you figure out a little this or that, that makes one, one guy pop in the league or whoever it is, people will believe in you. So it, it's a, it's a show me, show me, don't tell me league. And if you show them, you're going to have an opportunity. Yeah, I think she, I was reading about her. She's big on kinesiology. Mm. Um, so for those listeners out there, I don't know if you know what kinesiology, it's not telekinesis, um, where you can like move stuff with your mind. It's kind of how you keep your body um, in tune with each other, um, you know, and the movements of, of baseball. Right. So clearly she knows her shit based off of yes. that. And like we were, like we taught, I don't want to give too much away, but the technological advancement of baseball has opened up opportunities for not just dudes, for females as well um, that are looking that if you know your stuff, if you can show someone and, and have a resume where it's like, yeah, I have improved ball players. I have made, if you're a dirtbag too, you're a dirtbag. Right. You know, like it doesn't matter if you played softball, you could watch the game of baseball and pick up on shit mm -hmm. like that, especially if you're, smart like that you know how the body moves you know the correct the way it's supposed to be efficient in this game then yeah like it's awesome that this has opened up um you know the opened up people's minds to allow anyone that that can bring something to the table to contribute right yeah so you you love you love to see it any uh any quick thoughts i think the audience knows uh, basically how we feel about the events of, I guess it'll be two days mm. ago. Um, yeah, man, it was, uh, sad. I think is the word you keep hearing and seeing the most is, is sad and sadness, but I don't think anyone in their right mind or wants to believe that they're in their right mind is surprised. You know, I mean, I'm seeing stuff on social media now that there were hoodies there there was they had swag like they had swag about you know uh, memorabilia walking in saying you know one january 6th this is when it's going down so it wasn't taken seriously i don't know why that is could be because you know a bomb threat or something like that people just don't think anything of it but clearly they weren't messing around and the whole thing was weird the, the, i guess the whole scene of the gates being open was to protect the people that were inside the whole thing was really 
besides just awful, bizarre. It was just bizarre. It was so bizarre. It was so bizarre. It was like, yeah, because I saw two different videos. One where it's like they were opening the mm-hmm. gates for people, and then the other, they were they like bulldozed, you know, exactly the cops. It, and by the way, like, I mean, if for those that have seen the movie Olympus Has Fallen, in were to try that, like I always watched. I was like, yeah, no, I could do this in real life. Motherfucker, they could have done why we don't have Gerard Butler. Right. I don't think there's no. anyone in that's similar to Gerard Butler. So they could have taken it over just just like that. Yeah. So, so that was the, the some of my quick takeaways. I mean, just the fact that they literally had apparel, right? Uh, it was all it's all over social media, the hoodies and t-shirts, all that stuff. So we don't get political here. We just we just talk about what what happens when it pertains to um you know, me or you or, or the country for that matter, but just sadness. And like everybody's been saying, if it was a bunch of black or black and brown people, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not joking, but I am about when we talk about bet online and the over under, like the over under for bodies would be set at 15 without a doubt. Without a doubt. And I'm taking the over. Exactly. Exactly. So, you know, and look, we don't want to see anybody dead. Obviously, someone someone did uh, someone did get shot and pass away. But compared to I mean, what we've dealt with. This past year and for years before. Selling cigarettes, you know, selling illegal single cigarettes stealing candy from a grocery store allegedly a lot of this stuff is alleged um i feared for my life but you weren't sure they had guns in your face and and uh, there were so many tweets yesterday it's actually pretty cool i saw um you know we don't really talk too often but we follow each other on twitter uh an old buddy of mine he had i believe was the first picture i'm sure you saw it uh, of the National Guard when BLM was approaching. I I don't think it was the White, it was uh, the White House. Yeah, yeah. His had like... This is a Lincoln Memorial. Yes, his had 300K. And like he has 400 followers, like 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 normal people. And I think he got it first. And it was crazy because everyone had copied him. So I was like, you know what? Good, good for you. Good for you. On top of the fact that it was a really good message. But another one that I saw was the fact that, you know, this is days after, or I think a day after, the Jacob Blake hearing and how those cops got off as per usual. And it's like, Oh, so cops do know how to not use deadly force, even when they are actually in trouble. Like, you know, even when they are in real danger and they did not use deadly force, but a perceived, uh, he had a, like the Jacob Blake, he was walking away. He was walking into his car and the cop was right behind him. and, And, you feel threatened, but the cops didn't yesterday feel threatened. And the last thing I'll say that made me the sickest of all of it was the selfie. The cop selfie was yeah, that- just the icing on the cake for me. And it was just like, I, I, I am kind of speechless to this. I woke up this morning and that was the one thing that was like, you couldn't even fake it. You couldn't even fake it. You still... You still have, you, you are who you are, I guess. And, and you know, I don't know if, right. I know my mom used to say it. I don't think she made it up, but when someone 
shows you who they are, believe them. And they've shown us over and over again. And if you haven't believed them before, you got to believe them now. But that's all I got on it. Yeah, in addition to and and obviously you know how I feel about mm-hmm. it. Like I I could go on and say, you know, exactly what you have said because I feel the exact same way. On Twitter yesterday, looking at that guy, and I'm thinking to myself, holy shit, if I am fortunate enough to have a, a child, then the kid's going to be looking in history mm-hmm. books and they're going to see a dude in fucking taxidermy yes. that's just chilling in the Congress chair. I don't even know what room right, it's called, right. but he's just guy and guy wearing horns with his face painted is just chilling in the, in the conference room, um, which is pretty wild. My last point is the no look mace guy mm. where he was, where he did the no look like pepper spray. Yeah. And then you saw like, the no look LeBron pass, the no look magic. And it's just like this guy yeah, doing right, like a right. no look pepper spray. I thought that was, uh, was a cherry on top of just like one of the weirdest days. Well, of and, that's a, and that's honestly. the thing. You, you talk about the jokes and it was weird. We're laughing about it. It was sad, but it's also ridiculous and funny in a way. It was so weird. I mean, I went to start tweeting about the Warriors game and for, you know, about five, 10 minutes, I'm like, whoa, I guess you know is it weird to to you know just kind of go about our day but the way i felt about it and i tweeted about this too is they stole the joy from us for what was it five hours they they essentially got what they wanted in a way so i wasn't going to let them ruin my evening and watch the warriors you know play decently against the clippers but yeah it was just weird man Sad and weird. So, Those are the two words. Yeah, it's a wide, wide range of a emotions. Lot, a wide lot. range of emotions. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that's. I think that's it. We have a hell of an interview with Carrie mm-hmm. Crowley coming up, so we hope you enjoy it. I am at Orazo on Twitter. You can follow us at Longball underscore Pod. And I am at the underscore Styles Files. Styles with an I. Thank you for listening. Enjoy the interview. So as promised, we have future friend of the show. <laughs> was also a friend of Styles Files. So all the OG listeners, you might remember the name. Giants beat writer for the Bay Area News Group. And he also helps out at KNBR with a great voice as well. We loved you on there, Carrie. Carrie Crowley, everybody. Carrie, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. And hopefully I will earn that friend of the show moniker by the end of this. I already feel like it based on the welcome you've given me. So appreciate the opportunity to come on and join you. And I'm uh, looking forward to the conversation. Perfect. Yeah, we had a great, great pre-show, everybody. You know, we like to give a behind the scenes. We got to know each other. So this this is starting out on a very, very high note. So, Carrie, let's quickly go through um, how you got to where you are. And like I said, we've we've we know this, or I know this, but, you know, when you think about the beat writers and a lot of the people that aren't doing podcasts in the forefront, right, or this new age media, the kind of the old school media, if you will, of beat writers and, you know, getting on the radio and things like that, to be younger as you are, how did that come to be? Did you face any backlash and how do you feel about 
how you're doing it versus when you come on a show like this, or I'm sure you do a lot of shows, um, being that older statesman, even though you aren't an older statesman. So first off, I would be lying if I said that it did not involve a tremendous amount of luck. To get mm -hmm. to where I've been fortunate to go, which is covering a major league baseball team in my hometown, you need to basically not have any bad luck along the way. Like every little step has to go perfectly. And I was really fortunate uh, that I had a lot of people who were mentors to me, who took me under their wing and cared for me as I was going through journalism school. As you guys know, I went to St. Ignatius in San Francisco, went to Arizona State, majored in uh, broadcast journalism, thought that I was gonna go the TV route. And when I was ready to graduate, I was basically told I wasn't good enough for TV. So <laughs> I had to figure something out uh, on that front. Ended up covering Arizona State football for a year and parlayed that into a job just doing web content at KMBR in San Francisco mm -hmm. back when they were really just getting the website going. And from there, it was just mixing and mingling with the right people in the press box and you know figuring out who was going to be a true competitor and who was going to be someone I would compete against, but would also be an ally and would vouch right. for me down the line. And so, uh, you know, the, the likes of Henry Shulman, Andrew Baggerly, Alex Pavlovich, the, the beat writers who fans know have covered the team through three world series and, and done such an incredible job. Uh, they really helped help me along the way. And so just being in their presence, because I had that press pass, uh, was, I, I got lucky. I got lucky because those are three incredibly kind people. And that's how I, I kind of landed at the Bay area news group. And I've been doing this for three years now, coming up on the three year anniversary next week. And I, you know, my game, as you mentioned, Alan, might be a little different because I, I like to emphasize video content. I like to emphasize audio content, not the, the traditional beat writer does that. It's almost always been get your game story in, get your injury notes up and figure out what the most pressing story of the day is. I, I like to have a little more analysis and commentary involved in my coverage. And that is really why I do like podcasts because longer form, uh, you get fans involved, you get people who are just really passionate about the teams they cover, the teams that they enjoy watching, the teams they grew up around. And so uh, it, it's funny because, you know, you see different things play out on, you know, social networks where there's this kind of divide between old school and new school. And I'm very much into the, anyone can cover this team, anyone can cover sports. And I'm excited to see where the industry goes as, as more opportunities open up. And that becomes a, a wider path that's available to more people. Well, you, you say like you, you enjoy doing these podcasts and video content, uh, video content, web content, but you know, it is kind of known that, that radio and, and the beat writers somewhat of a, of a dying breed. I don't know if that's a myth or if that's really happening. Right. No, it's true. <laughs> it is, so, but is this the, the way that it's saved by incorporating all these new age technologies and, and being able to put out content and I guess label yourself as still a beat writer and, and keep that professional eye? I think that that is a tremendously difficult question to answer, but it might be the most important question we all face at the moment. Like what is the future of covering professional sports teams? What is the future of covering college sports teams, covering anything really? And I do think that the way people consume content is so different now than it was 10 years ago. You know, a lot of people go to Twitter and then we'll click on links from Twitter. A lot of people will go to a newspaper website still because that's how they grew up. They read the paper every day. And so they trust the name that comes with the San Francisco Chronicle or the San Jose Mercury News. That's just how their media diet started. And I think that as we move on, 
it's going to come down to who fans, readers, and content consumers trust from an individual perspective more than it's going to be, oh, I love ESPN. It's going to be, I love these three hosts at ESPN, but I also love this host at NBC Sports, or I love watching this person break down the Golden State Warriors. And it's going to become a lot more individuals who are making name for themselves, even if that's not the greatest way to move forward. I just see that that, that's the way the industry is moving over the next five years. And hopefully we can figure out a way to monetize it and make it better and make it more accessible for everyone. But uh, I I do think that that's a really important question that you raised, Orlando. And uh, people a lot smarter than me will give much better answers than that. Well, I thought you gave a fine answer. Yeah, fine (laughs) answer. Carrie is out the gate. You know, I'm I'm not so sure about whoever told you you couldn't be on TV. You definitely didn't have those... (laughs) those locks that you got now the quarantine hair is working for you and you're out out the gate hot and we love to to hear it and we love to see it i think when you hear about oh this or that is dying is it dying or is it so much that it's just not continuing to grow because i don't think there will ever be a day where someone won't hop in their car and put on sports radio you know, we are, and it's so funny because the microwave society is supposed to be us younger people, but still at the end of the day, you could have somebody that you like a, a decent bit and someone that you tolerate. And a lot of the people, when you get in that car, if you have to plug in your phone or do something that you're not used to versus pressing number one, cause that's where your radio station is saved, they're still gonna do that. So. I don't think it's it's as much as maybe the growth might peter off, but I don't think it'll ever go away. And you make a good point about just kind of choosing your own adventure as far as how you want to digest content. It's basically what you're talking about is where we're headed is just a buffet and mm-hmm. as, a, as a consumer. And you're just taking whatever you want. Now, from the people you're taking it from, they need to figure out how they're going to get paid and how they're exactly. going to, you know, if you like a, a lot of people want to do what you're doing, a lot of people want to do what we're doing. A lot of people are doing what we're doing, but most of us have other jobs, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of who, who is popular enough to get that ad revenue or whatever it is to be able to be sustainable and so you make a good point. And at this point, the, the oversaturation, it's it's a lot. But yeah. at the end of the day, you know, that's it does pay at this point to have that foundation of a term that people remember, because even when our parents, you know, aren't listening or are gone or whatever, we're going to remember the Bay Area News Group and we're going to remember. And as long as you keep um, that name as strong as it is, I, I don't think you'll have any problems, but to your point, you do have to adapt. You can't, yeah. you can't just write stuff and print it in the paper anymore. Those <laughs> days are over. You yeah. got to put it online as well. Mm-hmm. And, and what I would say is you both made a good point in that it is not dying. I'm routinely amazed. Anytime I go on KMBR, I'll get a text from someone who was listening, you know, mm-hmm. last year at the Bay area news group, more people read me than they read me in 2019 and 2018 combined. And so readership's growing. Listenership is still there. And in many ways it's growing, but you also said there's a buffet. There's now a wide variety of options. And what I hope is that this ultimately leads to more quality content for consumers because 
Right now, there's fewer barriers to entry in the industry than I think there ever have been before. I also think that it's really, really hard to rise to the top. Like you have to get incredibly lucky. You have to be plucked from whatever you're doing at a small level to go to a big level. And so I hope that people who are in charge of radio stations, TV stations, and you know newspapers realize the talent that's out there can come from non-traditional routes that mm-hmm. can come from, you don't have to go to you know the Walter Cronkite School of Journalism or Syracuse or any of these big name schools. You can get your education in a variety of different ways. You can get your reps in, in so many different ways. And if you develop a following and people seem to trust you, that's so important. And, and trust is ultimately what we want to build. We want to rebuild that in sports media and media in general. And I think that ultimately we're going to head there, but there's still going to be a few rocky years where we're figuring stuff out and figuring out, you know, how do we bridge this gap between what's considered old media and new media? Yeah. Well said. That's well said. Overall. <laughs> Thank you. Well said. Well, you know, I don't, this has been a great conversation, but I don't know that Orlando and I didn't want to start a little, we didn't want to jump in the deep end too quick because it's time to just pull the bandaid off. It's time for some Giants talk. Perfect. Let's just get right to it. What are your initial thoughts? We'll get into some details later. What are your initial thoughts of this Giants team? I'm sure you've never had this question asked before. (laughs) What are your initial thoughts of this Giants team? What are the expectations? Well, the expectations to me are when you look at the Giants, you need to look at them through the window of Farhan Zaidi and the new era of Giants baseball taking over in November 2018. And what was promised at that introductory press conference? What was promised was The Giants are going to make small incremental moves to improve on an annual basis. They're going to try and build their farm system up so it's going to be a sustainable winning organization by the time his contract is up. They're going to embrace data and analytics to the point where they're at the forefront and changing the conversation and driving the conversation of how to successfully use data in baseball. And the first two years, it was ugly for Giants fans, but they improved. The Giants got better in 2019 and got better in 2020. 2021, they should be on that upward trajectory. The challenge, of course, is they don't exist in a vacuum. The Dodgers are in the division. They just won the World Series. The San Diego Padres are absolutely loaded and willing to spend to make sure that they can challenge the Dodgers. The Giants don't seem to be interested in spending like those other teams, in building the super core that they could if they went out and signed the top three or four free agents. And in part, because that's not the vision that they outlined in November 2018. So where does that leave the Giants right now? I think solidly in third place in the division. I think that it would be realistic to expect them to contend for that second wildcard spot in the National League and also realistic to hold them accountable to having a, a year where they are clearly above 500, where they are clearly in the upper echelon of National League teams. Does that mean they're the sixth best team, seventh best team out of 15? I'm not so sure, but you need to continue that upward trajectory. And I think that that's where fans' expectations should be. You mentioned that they've taken a step forward each year, and I I agree that they have. But their defense this year, and and Heidemann had three catchers interferences, which I've never seen that in my entire life. (laughs) No one has. How 
are they going to improve on that? How are they going to improve their defense this year? What are they going to, you, you'd mentioned you, you expect them and I expect them to be in third place as well. I agree with you, mm-hmm. but they have to be a lot better. Yeah. They bang the ball around. What kind of moves are they making and how are they going to improve their defense this year and their pitching management of the bullpen, starting pitching, et cetera. So to me, the the biggest concern and issue I have with the way the roster is currently built isn't actually the defense or the bullpen. And I know that those are huge concerns for fans. It's the starting pitching. And I'm sure we'll get to that. But to address your question specifically with the defense, first 18 games of the 2020 season, 21 errors. They were abysmal. They led the major leagues in both fielding errors and mental errors. It was difficult for anyone who's watched Major League Baseball for a long time to look at that team and say that they were well-prepared. Then Brandon Belt got healthy. Then Evan Longoria got healthy. Over the final 42 games of the season, 21 errors. That matched the number from the first 18. Fielding percentage and errors, probably not the best way to look at things. But if you look at the end of the season, they finished fifth in the major leagues in converting ground balls and line drives into outs. And that's a really important statistic. Why? Because of the top 13 teams in that statistic, 12 made the postseason. The Giants were the only outlier from that group. I believe they were the outlier because they didn't get enough ground balls. 28th in the major leagues in fly ball percentage. And so that was a telling sign that they were not doing enough to keep the ball on the ground. The bullpen, again, Look at those games against the Oakland A's where they just choke things away. It was impossible to watch the ninth inning Angels of those games. As well, uh, the Angels as well. Just that whole week was, that I mean, was, if you were I a mean, Giants fan, it was deja vu every night. It was yeah, horrible. We have to find a name, and we might not have time <laughs> on this on this pod, but we got to find a name for that week because that has to be like. Oh, it was it was the black hole week. It was just like. Was that- the, like was that also the, I, I, it might have been a different week where um, I, I mentioned this before, where Kapler brought uh, someone in to face Arenado, and Arenado has like a six hundred career. Oh, game. that was <laughs> I think that was later on. In the <laughs> and I was like, a different what? blown. A different analytics. Blown. Yeah, like, the, what are we doing here? The analytics are yeah. not telling you to to, to bring <laughs> that pitcher in at that time. That's when the bullpen literally has no other options. But I will add that uh, after that final blown save in Anaheim, when Tommy Listella took Trevor Gott deep. Uh, the Giants had the best bullpen in the major leagues the rest of the season, and it was better than Tampa Bay by 0.2, and the Rays finished in second place in that category. And so I would just say that if you look at the second half of the season, there's a lot of reason for optimism. If you look at the first half of the season, you're thinking there's no possible way the Giants could get much better because they were so ill-prepared. And I think that most fans would say, let's weigh the value of the second half of the season more because it was a new manager and Gabe Kapler, a new coaching staff, and clearly the processes paid off with hitting. They became a top 10 group in the majors with the bullpen. One of the better groups in the second half, despite a few hiccups with the defense, one of the best in the majors. And now it's a question of, well, you've got a subpar roster compared to the Dodgers and Padres. What are those numbers going to mean in 2021? And I, I think that's a really fascinating question and really one that can only be settled on the field. Yeah. I mean, you make a lot of good points, (laughs) I actually didn't even have this question written down, but the name came up, so we might as well get into it. Gabe Kapler, hot, yeah. hot name, hot name. Hot Hate button him, issue. Hot button <laughs> issue. I, I've been on record saying that it was similar to, the season was similar to, to use my, you know, back in the day, as in uh, before the pandemic, when I would hit the YMCA. 
And I, I'm not much of a shooter, but I can slash to the rim. But I could Luca. slash to the rim, but I didn't always <laughs> finish. I didn't always finish the shots, right? But people would get mad when I'm like, look, I still created the opportunity. Yeah, I blew it, but I created the opportunity. The Giants, we heard people saying less than 20 wins. Ridiculous um, thoughts on how bad they were going to be. Gabe Kapler comes out and, in my opinion, exceeds pretty low expectations, but because of how he did it and because it wasn't that pretty to watch, he, he, he got nailed for it, understandably so, but let's not forget that they kind of weren't supposed to be that good anyway, as we talked about for months. And then to, to miss the playoffs by one game, especially the way, the way they did, was tough. But a lot of people didn't have them even sniffing the playoffs, even though we know they added the extra slot. So what are your thoughts on Gabe Kapler? When he was first hired, I thought that they probably could have found someone better for the job. I thought that Gabe Kapler got the job because of his relationship with Farhan Zaidi, and they just didn't seem to have the same level of confidence and relationships with the other candidates that they interviewed that they had with Gabe Kapler. And should you be picking someone based on relationships for a high-profile position? Probably not. At the end of the season, based on everyone I talked to in the Giants organization, from players, which are the most important for a manager to have a relationship to, down to interns who were helping with you know, ticket sales and got laid off during the season because right. there were no games. Gabe Kaffler made an impression on all of those people. I think as a CEO figure, he's a really good person to have around. And he's someone that you want representing your organization. As someone who is the manager making tactical decisions in the dugout, he's got room to grow. And I think that we saw growth in year three of him as a manager from year two in Philadelphia and from year one in Philadelphia. Will that trajectory of growth continue? It really has to for the Giants to, to evolve and succeed and for them to challenge for a wildcard spot. But I feel a whole lot better about the hire right now based on how everyone took his first year than I did at the beginning because I, I did feel it was a relationship-based hire and I wasn't as keen on that. But he came in with really, as you mentioned, Alan, interesting expectations because they were on the floor from the expectations of Philadelphia Phillies fans right. who felt that he couldn't manage the bullpen. Oh, oh, they were, I, oh don't forget, I went to <laughs> yes. I went to Temple, so I, that is my true. buddies were like, "Have fun!" Like <laughs> I was dealing but with that the whole time. At the same time, they were on the ceiling because of who he was succeeding in Bruce Bochy, the greatest to ever do it in many regards, at least in the last twenty five years. And so I thought that for the conversation at the end of the season to not be focused on Gabe Kapler as the manager, but on how much progress the Giants actually made with their bullpen by the end of the year, with their lineup that so many guys had career years and the hitting staff uh, did such a great job. I think that the fact that the conversation was not focused on Gabe Kapler after he succeeded Bruce Bochy is a telling sign that fans kind of embraced and accepted him. I think a lot of it too is he's he gets a lot of shit for just kind of being – a little vanilla like he'll just say all the right things and and yes at this point do you want him to say the wrong things like do you want <laughs> I, I guess you want him to to kind of be himself and all that but who knows what if himself is just like that vanilla but at least he's a leader of men at least right. the guy like you're saying the guys respect him yeah and at the end of the day as long as he's not openly just fucking the whole thing up like <laughs> 
he's exceeded expectations. So the, I, I think a lot of that stuff is unnecessary. And and I, I want to say, like, it was such a contrast from Bruce Bochy, who if the microphone was there and the cameras were on, he would say something that would back up his player. If the microphones were not on, you had a pretty good idea of how Bruce Bochy felt about his team. If they weren't playing well, if they were in a five-game losing streak, I mean, his office was a fun place to be because he would he would tell you what it was. Gabe Kapler, even when the microphones go off and the cameras hide, he's still going to maintain that confidence in his guys. And not to say that Bruce Bochy didn't, but he is never going to veer off of the relentlessly positive, relentless belief that he has in his players. And I think that there is something to be said for that style. And, you know, is everyone going to be like Bruce Bochy? Of course not. Is everyone going to be like Gabe Kapler? No, but you can have success in different ways. We see it in the NFL all the time. We see it in the NBA all the time. Differing styles succeed. In Major League Baseball, it's always just perceived, you know, can you have control of the clubhouse and can you make the pitching changes when you need to? And I don't think that that's what managing is about these days. And so it'll be interesting to see how the conversation evolves in year two, because you're right. He often does just say the right thing. And it sometimes bothers fans when they want to see a little bit more fire. Yeah. When you're on a a five game skid or whatever, and yeah, he he feels good about it. Go ahead. or Yeah. No, I was saying, do you have uh, an appropriate but like borderline kind of tone the line bochi story from uh, <laughs> from like a five game losing streak that you? Can uh, yeah, so there's there's one where they actually they, it wasn't like a losing streak or anything, but this is 2019. They're out of the race, and it's you know the end for Bruce Bochi. He has already surpassed 2,000 victories. There's not much left to manage for. Like he can ride it out if he wants to. The Giants are in Los Angeles and get absolutely hosed on a replay call where someone got called out at third base in a one-run game and Bochi challenges. It was clear that the call should have been overturned. It was not overturned. And we go into his uh, his managerial room. I don't like I don't know what you want to call it inside the clubhouse at Dodger Stadium. And this is 10 minutes after the final out. And we catch him throwing a binder on the desk in how upset he is. And a Dodgers reporter saw that there was like a beer on the table and assumed that Bruce Bochy was like drinking heavily after the game. Meanwhile, this is 10 minutes after the game. How, right. m- how many beers can the guy possibly have? <laughs> right, right. I mean, blame him and, and, and so uh, just like the fact that he was throwing the binder and, you know, dropping F-bombs off camera about how this call didn't go his way in a totally meaningless game tells you how how much he wanted it like to the very end 25th year the guy was still in it to beat the los angeles dodgers when they'd already clinched the division yeah it's always tough when you know even even in business life when you get a new ceo and the ceo maybe one ceo was focused on the tech side of things and you get another ceo that's focused on marketing it changes how people within the company feel because now maybe the, the tech guys aren't as happy as the marketing people are. So the, the last thing I'll say about Gabe Kapler is he came in for a crazy time, multiple reasons. You have the pandemic mm-hmm. and then you have all the racial issues, right? And you mm-hmm. have to start out and massage that the best way you can. And he did take a stand in you know, the circle of unity and the national anthem. So he came in hot and he has stayed true to who he was as far as backing the players. And you have to, whether you don't like it or you like it, it seems like that's just 
the type of guy he is. And at the end of the day, fans can want him to MF, you know, the players all he wants or all they want after a loss, but it's not going to make any difference. Nobody is trying to play like garbage. You know what I mean? Like big misconception. Social media wouldn't lead you to believe that. Right, right. Like, why aren't you hitting? Sorry, I was actually trying to strike out right there. Yeah. You know, get my get my average down a little bit. I, I wanted to take a called strike third. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Players can sniff that out too. When when some when some guy in leadership, when some coach isn't being himself, when he's being disingenuous, players sniff that out right away. So mm-hmm. right. Yeah. Um, let's let's move forward to someone who uh, is part of the OGs. I'm I'm going to handle this OG. We have a fan question about another OG later. I'm going to handle the bu- Buster Posey, and. Okay. Buster Posey as far, and we probably don't have time to talk about whether he's a Hall of Famer or not. It would be a quick conversation for us because I think he is, and I think Orlando thinks he is, and I think you think he is. Some people actually don't. Some people think he needs at least one or even two more good years because of how he kind of fell off. What do you expect from Buster? How much longer do you think Buster has? And whatever happened to the Buster Posey to first base thing? Why why did that (laughs) never happen? I feel like we just skipped that part of his career. Yeah, there was a point in his career where it became exceedingly obvious that his greatest value to the San Francisco Giants and any baseball team for that matter was going to be what he could do with a pitching staff. Mm-hmm. Buster Posey could go a month without getting a hit and he would still have value because of how he calls the game, how he manages a pitching staff, how he calms down young relievers and his situational awareness. He's that good as a defensive catcher. Yeah. So throwing him at first base where he could hit 300 but hit eight to 10 home runs that's not what a major league first baseman does in the modern right, game. Right. 10 years ago, sure, maybe you wanted a 300 hitter. That's not what Buster Posey's about. He's not going to hit 20 home runs like he did back in his MVP season in 2012. Uh, I will say that I think it would be really interesting to see how the Hall of Fame conversation and the conversation about his legacy evolved if he won a comeback player of the year award in 2021. And he was named an all-star starting catcher in a league that very well could have JT Real Muto. And a league that there's not a whole lot of other great catchers in. I mean, Wilson Contreras, definitely up there with the Cubs. We'll see where he's playing there's by the time Yachty, this podcast is released. Yachty yeah, is. I mean, I, there's just opportunity there for Buster to once again reclaim his position as one of the best in the National League. I think if he does that at 34 years old, it's going to say a lot about you know the grind that he's had since hip surgery in August 2018. And it's going to give people a much greater appreciation for his legacy, even though... You look at the first six, seven years of his career, the peak is as good as any catcher that we've seen in the last quarter century. So mm-hmm. it, it it is a debate that will be had many, many times in his post-playing career. I just want to see what he does in 21 and 22 to kind of further the debate. So just from your eye, though, what do you think? Like, do you th- Obviously, I think he's still – it's going to be tough to lose what he has defensively, maybe mm-hmm. a bit in his legs and his arm, but his situational awareness, his brain's still going to remain intact. So he's still going to provide some value, but what do you see as far as from an offensive standpoint? What do you see from him? I'm basing this off of 2020 spring training because that's really the last time I saw Buster Posey swing the bat in a meaningful situation. It's hard to call meaning spring training meaningful uh, if you're someone who's been in the major league 10 years and, and has your own way of preparing. But I did think that he was poised to hit 300. I, I think that he had that kind of back control. He was seeing the ball that well that it would not have been out of the question. And does hitting 300 matter? 
in the era of OPS and the era of OPS plus, probably not the same as it would for his legacy. It does. And I think for his position, it does, because if you're hitting 300, your OPS is going to be a lot higher than it is. If you're a catcher hitting 220, who, you know, has an OBP of 280 and hits eight to 10 home runs a year. And so I do think that, I think that it's entirely possible for him to have a strong offensive season and end up as an all-star. And maybe he's a reserve, maybe he's not, I don't know, but I think that he will also benefit in 2021 from sliding down in the batting order, because I don't think that with the way the Giants lineup's currently constructed, he'll be a top four hitter like he needed to be. And you're seeing different pitches in the sixth or seventh slot in the order than you would have seen in the third or fourth. Mm. Wow, he was hitting in the four hole for a couple of years, just hitting for like years where bombs. he should not have been hitting yeah. in the four hole. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Number four hitter for the Giants has 10 home <laughs> runs. I'd love a comeback season for Buster. I, I really would. What we're seeing, I feel like, is the equivalent of some of those old school forwards and, and centers that they don't shoot the three ball because you didn't shoot the three ball when, when they entered the league. And yeah, everybody has always loved the long ball, right? Uh, pun intended for the podcast. Everybody has always loved it, but it's an obsession to this point where I I legitimately think some hitters get upset with a single. Like they would rather strike out and fully swing than get a single. Like that's what it feels like sometimes watching these games. I, I love the era of launch angle. I and oh, I know get that I know, here. I know you're talking that... to the king of hitting the fence. So I don't want to hear anything about because if <laughs> I had launch angle, I'll take guy. off He's 20 points. Guy. Yeah. I'm a I mean, guy. I, I am like obsessed with these guys transforming their careers go, you know, how all these hitting coaches suddenly popped up in major league baseball who never had professional playing careers and just how the sport has transformed over the last five years. I think it's a super compelling story, super compelling narrative. And I know that 80 to 90% of fans do not agree with me. What, but well, my, well then what, it, what would you say? <laughs> I agree. <laughs> There we go. So there about, we go. What about, but what about the games where it's literally just strikeouts and maybe three home runs? Like the, the strikeouts, that's the issue. It's not an issue about when they make contact. The issue is when they don't, which is a lot of the time. Have you, have you seen some of these pitches? They're, I mean, they're nasty. They're like, it's, you got to get the ball. Yeah. So the fact that people are still hitting <laughs> home nose runs, on it. <laughs> it's, it's incredible to me because if you actually look at the break on these sliders right now, if you look at, you know, the, I guess, vertical ride on four seam fastballs, it's, it's amazing that people are even making contact. And so right. strikeouts should be through the roof because of how pitching has evolved. The fact that home runs are through the roof. I'm more amazed by that. Well, I don't know though, because well, it, so it, basically it sounds like they're changing their approach at an awful time as pitching is just better than it has ever been but i'm not that surprised at the home runs because you know as they always say you don't have to swing harder just because they're throwing it hard and these guys they hit the, a lot of people have misconceptions about baseball players baseball players get after it you know they just they're focusing on different types of muscles when you're making contact with 95 if you're making contact that ball's getting out of here yeah yeah it is and there's pros and cons to the debate and i just think that there's been a lot of games that have been really fun to watch. You know, right. you go back to that Dodgers Astros, Astros slug fest in the 2018 world series. 
It was incredible. Like you go back to the A's and Astros in this year's postseason, where they had a game where it felt like every third guy was hitting a home run to do that in this era in the postseason when pitching is as good as it is. I tip my cap to these guys because <laughs> they're making a sport that is so difficult to play at the highest level look really fun and really entertaining. And I'm sorry that, you know, you're not seeing a ball through the five, six hole every so often. Well, and that, I that, really don't care. That just burned my soul right there. <laughs> that just burned my soul. But at least we know where you stand. You know, nobody's perfect. Carrie Crowley, uh, can be nobody's on perfect. Bay area, Bay area news group. Nobody's perfect. Orlando, let, let's go with some, uh, some fan questions. I just have one thing to say on that. Carrie, I, I don't like watching 17 hoppers. Uh, there we go. So Thank you. Orlando. Why are you, why am I being attacked? Why am I being? I, I'm just. I, I just enjoy watching heaters, and I enjoy watching dongs. Like that's that's, that's pretty fun to watch. Also, the the another point about this: the technological advancement of pitching development is way ahead of the technological advancement of hitting development. Hitting is just trying to catch up with this. They just started using this technology not too long ago, and it's. I love that point that it's almost like the media age where anyone can grab a mic and, and get notice. Now it's like all of these coaches are coming out of the woodworks because they're yeah. super smart and they've been able to communicate well. So it's opened up a lot of opportunities for some really good coaches. It's fun. And I'm really glad that Orlando agrees with me because it's, it's tough for me to find people on social media who want the 17 hopper eliminated from the game. Well, I'll say this. Yeah. And I, I get what you're saying because that is kind of, old school of me, but I'm also new school because I do love the bat flips and let's get yeah. baseball fun. I just think that, and I get it even from just a viewing standpoint to continue to try to grow the game of baseball and make it hip or cool again. Yeah. You sit down. If I sit down with my, you know, my little nephew or someone, and we watch that Astros game, the Astros Dodgers game, that'll get them more juiced up than watching, you know, a, a bunch of, Six David Eckstein's like, <laughs> <laughs> my guy. All right. I love uh, David Eckstein. You know, yeah, type player. So, but that was a great, great call there. So I do see, I, I get it. Don't worry. I don't, it's not that I don't get it, but sometimes man, it, it's, it can be tough. It can definitely yeah. be tough. All right. We have a couple of fan questions. Uh, these are not just fans of the giants, but fans of yours. Oh, uh, this, there can't be too many then. <laughs> this, this first question is uh, Ron Rodriguez from Salinas. He says, um, how much longer are the Giants going to keep Brandon Belt around? So that's a, that's a really interesting question because two just years ago. Context, sorry, just a little context. Brandon Belt's kind of a punching bag. We know he's on a the podcast. Really, really, yeah, we know he's a really, really good baseball player. He just kind of moseys around. and like, yeah, I mean, he's not he's, just he's a punching bag on the podcast. That's he's, just, he's not winning yeah, the body exactly. language Oscar. We'll, we'll put no. it that way. No, uh, no. Not so, by any means. So before Gabe Kapler was the Giants manager, I would have said Belt's contract's up in 21. He's still going to have value in free agency. And there's going to be a team that wants Brandon Belt to come in and be their six hitter. Like that, there's going to be that option for him. Uh, when he hits free agency next offseason. I still believe that there will be that option for him. I also think that the Giants really value his plate discipline, his plate discipline, his approach, his defense at first base, and the fact that they don't have a first baseman coming through the system. 
They've got a bunch of outfielders who are primed to hit the major leagues within the next two to three seasons. Marco Luciano looks like he can step right in for Brandon Crawford and give the Giants another 10 years at shortstop. Mm-hmm. Joey Bart, Patrick Bailey, the, the catching position is in good hands moving forward. The Giants do not have a first baseman of the future. So we could be looking at another two-year contract for Brandon Belt after the 2021 season, and it would not shock me at all. Uh, would I bet on it? I don't know. But I would say that the odds are better than the 20 to 25% that I would have given him remaining a giant last year. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. So we, may, uh, in other words, we may be in for some, some Brandon belt for a little while. The, the belt, the belt wars belt. may last like the, the troops are still going to be deployed in the belt wars uh, longer than we thought, you know, wow. well, okay. it's already been longer than we, 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 bring them home. Bring them home. You know, <laughs> is it crazy to think about the Yankees wanting belt? I mean, I'm just thinking short porch. I'm thinking short porch or you're walking, right? He walks a lot to get on for your other big boppers. Or now you're not dealing with uh, the splash hit McCovey Cove. Now you're dealing with a BAM box in Yankee Stadium. That just came to my head because, you know, they tend to strike out a lot and that's their issue. And at least you you could have a guy that at least is going to get on base for you in case you do run into one. So that's that's a great fit. Great fit. Um, yeah. I've always thought he would, if he had came up with the Yankees, he'd be like a 35 home run guy. Yeah. Um, all right. So this last question here, uh, big, big fan of yours, Petey from Carmichael. Petey wants to know if you were the commissioner for a day, what would be your first move in office? Ooh, that's a loaded question. Yeah. Petey uh, from Carmichael brought it. Salary floor. Would have to come in. Uh, I'm tired of these teams not spending. I'm tired of uh, these teams uh, doing what they did today, trading Francisco Lindor, uh, doing what they did last year, trading Mookie Betts. There has to be a salary floor. There has to be some level of competition. Rearranging the draft order so that there's incentive to play through the season. Maybe we do a lottery like uh, the NBA does where the team with the worst record isn't playing to lose 25 of their 29 games in the month of September. Um, And then... I would also, oh, this is tough, but I I think that I would change the arbitration system to where players become free agents four years into their career as opposed to six years into their career. And I know that it would lead to instability with rosters. I know that fans would not be able to have the long-term attachments that they do to the homegrown stars that baseball system currently affords them, but you were going to give players an opportunity to make money in their prime. And I think that that's going to be really important. If, if you institute a salary floor and you give players the opportunity to hit free agency earlier, I think that, and change the draft order, I think that competition would improve. And I think that more teams would be incentivized to win and uh, to go for it uh, and to not just see this mindless tanking that we've seen take over baseball since the Astros and the Cubs did it successfully because those models worked for the Astros and the Cubs, but they're not going to work for 20 other teams. The San Diego Padres went 13 years without making the playoffs. The Seattle Mariners haven't made the playoffs since like Ichiro's rookie season. There are just situations across the league that are absolutely alarming and they don't need to be. So those are just a few moves I'd make on day one. Yeah. Baseball ownership, low key, like probably the worst. High key. 
Yeah, yeah, hockey, I guess. Yeah, yeah hockey's <laughs> yes. the worst everywhere. No, I agree. I don't want guys hitting free agency when they're like 31. Either, yeah, 32 right, right. It's absolutely absurd. Wow. But yeah, those are your fans. So we had uh, Ron Rodriguez from Salinas and, and Petey from Carmichael. So Awesome. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Shout no, yeah. <clears throat> Shout out to them. Carrie, this has been truly wonderful. And I'm not just saying that. I can guarantee you that. Let, let's break it up a little bit as we wind this thing down. What are you going to miss or what do you miss or what did you miss last season and what will you continue to miss the most about this new world? I think the last time I had you on my show, I asked you where was your favorite place to go when you were on a road trip, right? Like the food you ate, things like Bob that. Blonde. Yeah. What, what do you miss? <laughs> Bottle blonde. <laughs> That's good. Is that what is it, an Arizona thing? That's that's yeah. a, that's a that's Scottsdale. If uh, mm. it would, not, I'll just say this: it wouldn't be wise for a major league baseball player to go out in Old Town Scottsdale during spring training, because there are journalists who keep eyes on what what happens late at night in Old Town Scottsdale. Yes. Yeah, Shepard so. Maven. Uh, <laughs> what was it like? A, he he got popped. He did. He did get popped. He did get popped. That was tough yeah. uh, because he's a really good guy. He, and he was going through a lot at the moment. He's a really good guy. Hmm. So happy to see the, the way that he's kind of uh, turned his career around after that and, and helped some teams. But to answer your question, um, the travel for sure. There's, mm -hmm. there's nothing like eating breakfast burritos in 15 different cities and comparing them at the end of the season and uh spring training number one is is the best because you get to try so many different places and right. i went to arizona state so I, i'm very familiar with scottsdale uh but san diego the broken yoke cafe next to um petco park i will say that there is almost always a member of the san francisco giants sitting at the counter when i walk in there <laughs> and for years it was like the bullpen would go to the broken yoke at 10 a.m every morning mm -hmm. or uh, I remember opening day a few years ago, like Tony Watson was sitting there with his whole family at the Broken Yoke. That place is incredible. Right. Um, I'm like a chorizo guy. I get chorizo everywhere. Oh, fire. This place, Cincinnati has no redeeming qualities. It's the worst city in the National League, and I'd be fine if I never went there again. But there's this place called Nada that does breakfast enchiladas. I mean, uh, I don't need to eat the rest of the day after right. having those. And so just the opportunity to... Go to a baseball game in a different city and wake up and then go get a breakfast burrito and then go to work. It's like the coolest thing in the world. A lot of people go to these cities during the summer and see like the attractions. I do not see anything other than the hotel gym where I pretend to work out and then the like Yelp list of the top five breakfast burritos. That's right. that's what I miss the most. Yeah. I mean, those are attractions in and of itself. <laughs> they They're, are. When you see a player like that out, a couple players, let's say, is it kind of awkward? Do they invite oh, yeah. you to sit with them? Has that ever, <laughs> so do you, do you give them like a half wave? Like you don't really know if you're going to say hi. Uh, you, you, you give like the, the head nod. Uh, exactly. Usually credit to the players. They, they always have their AirPods in, in public. So they yes. can always Smart. like pretend to not want to talk to you because they don't want to talk to me when they're at work. So imagine how much they don't want to talk to me when they're away from work. Uh, I, there is, there's this one place in Pasadena that I swear I've run into Evan Longoria no fewer than five times. Like we just happen to have the same exact schedule and it's always this, 
It's always just the quick head nod and the look down AirPods in because no one wants that. No one needs right. that. We right. see enough, <laughs> like we see enough of each other yes. as people who don't know much about like the sports writing world always ask me, they're like, you, like you get to talk to the players, you get to go in the clubhouse. And I'm like, yes, every day I am the last person that they want to see. Right. I'm the last person that they want to interact with. And it's, it's, it's different for prospects. Like that's why I like covering minor leagues and, and, and doing stories on guys coming through the system because they still think it's very cool to get an article written about them. They're super grateful. Like you text them with, with the story and they think it's the greatest thing in the world. Major league players would be fine. Never having another story written about them again, even if it was like the greatest thing on earth. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the equivalent of when you see someone from just like a, a past past time in your life being like oh yeah. oh hey all right it's, it's, it's why it's nice to have a mask on right now yeah exactly <laughs> like, you know, aside from protecting you yeah, let's, let's keep going put on like a fake mustache yeah. yeah can't tell you how many times the the mask has saved me this year and not just from covid right right <laughs> so okay i only have one more question i was going to ask about marco luciano but you alluded to it it sounds like this guy is a real deal so i'm gonna forego that one and I'm going to ask about, you know, something that was really, really good for the Giants back in the day. And I haven't, I don't want to say it's gone away completely, but it's not like we had Lincecum and Bumgarner. When I look up these Giants prospects, as far as pitching, I see Seth Corey, and that's all I see. What, <laughs> what, am, I, what am I missing? Who else can we be excited about? What's going on in the starting pitching aspect of, uh, the giant system. First off, Alan, as a De La Salle alumnus, you should know that the Giants' top pitching prospect is none other than De La Salle Spartan Kyle Harrison. He is rising oh, through this farm system. Gosh. Their third round like, pick. See, I, round knew, pick I knew in about 2020. Yes, I knew. Oh, yeah, in 2020. See, he's new. Exactly. So I knew about Armani Smith. I knew about him. Armani right? Smith, great guy. I got to, you know, okay, I, I, I'm trying here. I'm trying. So, I, I do have a quick Armani Smith story that I want to say, but I'll, yes. I'll finish this up. Uh, I would say that Sean Jelly has what it takes to be a mid to back end starter in the major leagues. Mm -hmm. His arm angles funky. He throws an easy 95. I mean, the easiest 95 I've ever seen was Kumar rocker. Who's going to be the number one overall pick yes. in 2021. But Sean Jelly throws a real easy 95 from a prospect. Seth Corey coming through the system, Trevor McDonald, 11th round draft pick in 2019, got an overslot bonus. He's someone the giants are excited about, but it is clear to me that they're going to have to sign free agents to fortify the rotation. Yeah. They just don't have enough in the farm system right now. If everything worked out and all their top guys panned out, I still think they're going to have to go outside the organization for help. So if you keep Kevin Gossman for the next few years during his prime, that's huge. If you sign someone, you know, I was, I was an advocate for them signing Tomiyuki Sagano before he elected to return to Japan, just because they don't have a lot of rotation depth moving beyond 2021. Mm -hmm. Tyler Beatty could still turn into something. Giants fans have been told that for seven years, but uh, he does has, have the pure stuff to do it. And right. so uh, I, I would say that they are going to have to eventually go out, but there's, there's a lot of optimism around Kyle Harrison. And before I finish up my best story involving any giants player or prospect has to do with Armani Smith seventh round draft pick, I think 2018 out of UC Santa Barbara, but a De La Salle guy, I play rec league kickball in San Francisco. <laughs> and I was on like probably four teams before the pandemic and the home plate umpire for rec league kickball 
was Armani Smith. No. He did it in the offseason. Really? And so here's this guy who oh, I've written about. I've written about, and you know, he knows that I cover the Giants, and right. we're we're talking like the, the pregame captains thing. And he has to see me be the most absurd, obnoxious kickball player in the city of San Francisco because I take it so freaking seriously. Right. Like I like it's it's a rec league, so everyone's got a beer in their hand. Not yeah, me. of course. He used to drink course. until after the game. Yeah. Playing third base, full sweat. Basically, oh, you're that change, guy. Oh, you're basically, need to change my shirt yelling at the through the game. <laughs> Yell, yelling at the umpire. Like yes. I'm screaming at Armani if he doesn't have the call right. <laughs> and so no no one's known that story. I haven't gotten to write it yet. Wow. But because it came up, I, I do want to say that he's put up with a lot from me. So if he ever gets favorable coverage, yes. you know why. Yes, yes. You 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 owe him. You owe him yeah. at this point. Exactly. That is outstanding. That is well, I'm really glad you appreciate it. Yes. I'm glad you told that story for the first time too. You broke exclusive. I can see the yeah. headlines now. Yeah, exclusive. Yeah, no. We'll, we'll clip that. We'll clip no. the hell out of that. Yeah, no, no, I there's saw, no uh... I saw Sean Jelly, by the way. Uh he pitched against my team. And oh really? I it, yeah. So he was on uh Salem Kaiser. They had Bart also. Yeah. Bart was that I've told the story millions of times. It seemed like he hit 45 times in a series. Again. <laughs> it wasn't even fair. Um, oh, but Sean jelly, I was, I was charting. So, and I was like, this guy's, I was like, this guy's pretty tall. And then I looked up in the, in the program and it's like six eleven. Yeah. Like, okay. Whoa. Yeah. He's like center. Um, but it looked like he was throwing 82 and I'm like, this guy's exactly. so slow. I'm like, how the, I, as like a Giants fan, I'm like with the Mariners. I'm like, are, are we fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> like these guys. we got this and guy. Then, yeah. I'm like, and then I see the radar gun is 94, 93, 95. Yeah. I was like, Holy yeah. It's really effortless. Yeah. It's fun. Jeez. No, Carrie, you know, there is no judgment here about being obnoxious in you know (laughs) anything really you're talking you're talking to someone i'm playing co-ed basketball and i'm and with my fiance on the same team i'm letting them have it i'm letting them have it as you should as you know you step inside the lines it's a different game right like look you better you're a different person hit that jump shot babe hit that jump shot this is not we're not playing around (laughs) we're not playing games Uh, orlando uh, anything else i have one more uh, mm-hmm. In regards to the prospects. So it seems like the big three are Bart, Ramos, Luciano. Mm-hmm. Probably going to have to get a start. And, and maybe throw Hunter Bishop in there. He kind of struggled at first, but he's got ridiculous upside. His power yeah. is pretty ridiculous. Um, but those are the big three. They're going to need a, a starting pitcher. They're, they're pitching. You know, you can't go with, with Cueto, the horseback rider, for too much longer. Um but Bart Ramos, Luciano, who would you trade out of those three um, in order to oh pack it, put together a package gosh. for a megastar pitcher? The best for last, so I guess. Who would I like? I think Luciano is going to have the best career of the three of them. And so I would probably trade Bart because you've got Bailey in the system and you've got another catcher. And I think that Buster Posey is going to be able to hold down the position for the two years that you need to get Patrick Bailey to the major league level. So the reason that I would trade Bart and, and you have Chadwick Trump, who is the nicest guy on the San Francisco giants. But what I would say about trading Bart is teams really value catchers and they really value six years of organizational control. And when you get Joey Bart, you're getting that. So you're going to get the best opportunity to bring back a superstar. And it's possible that Joey Bart, is just kind of an above average major league catcher, not an all-star. 
it is, in my opinion, I really believe in Marco Luciano. I really believe that he's going to be a perennial all-star candidate, regardless of what position he ends up at. I think the bat speed is that special. And so I'd keep him uh, just because you, you don't have hitters like him come through every day. And I keep Ramos because uh, you need three outfielders as opposed to one. And the Giants have struggled for, I think we're going on year 30, 37 of not developing a homegrown outfielder who's made the all-star team uh, since Chili Davis did it in like 84. Yeah. Freddie so, Lewis was close, man. Freddie, Freddie Lewis was close. Freddie Lewis was on the cusp. The Hattiesburg, Mississippi legend, Fred Lewis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. What, what a what a glimmer of hope he was. He was so yeah. fun to watch. But, uh, but yeah, so I, I'd trade Bard among those three, just because you're going to get the best value in return and you've got the other guy in the system in Bailey already. Mm -hmm. There you have it. Yeah. I thought I would, uh, whip that one up. I had it in my bag for a while. No, You you didn't, you didn't mention that in the pre-show, but I'm glad (laughs) you didn't keep me on my toes. Keep both of us on our toes. Carrie, like I said, it has been an absolute pleasure. And we can honestly say you are now a friend of the show. There we go. That is, that is what I wanted. That's mm-hmm. what I wanted to hear by the end of this. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, and uh, happy to come on and talk Giants baseball, talk anything, anytime. As you know, if you want to so, talk rec league kickball, yeah, kickball. I'm, I'm your guy. Mm-hmm. There you rec go. All right, Kerry. Well, yeah, well, take it, take it easy. And, you know, go Giants this season. We know it's going to be another interesting one with, the pandemic not officially over, even though we're out of 2020, but do the best you can. And I hope and pray that you get at least five breakfast burritos this year. <laughs> well, thank you guys. <laughs> Appreciate it, Carrie. Thanks for coming on. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.